Hello, I'm Kenza, and this is the Finding Space podcast. Hello, and welcome back to season three of the Finding Space podcast. This week, I talked to British international rower Oliver Cook. Ollie talks about performance, identity, and what success really means. He delves into how aspects of his life away from the boat improved his performance and mental health. Enjoy. By the sounds of it, sort of, you'd obviously gone to um, university and you'd gone back to rugby and then you'd sort of found rowing again. And then almost that surprise of getting further each stage and progressing was... Was it almost, do you think, beneficial that you weren't putting too much pressure on yourself to, I need to win an Olympic gold? It was more um, sort of you had your university studies to focus on. You were obviously thinking about a career at some point and it wasn't just sort of everything for one goal. Do you think that helped you progress? Yeah, I think I think it really does. I think, um, I think there were a few things to that, actually. Um, I think... I suppose as I've spent the last eight years since 2012 being a full-time athlete in the GB team, I think um, I would, I think I would really recommend to, to anybody that is an athlete or you, is, even to anybody is to, um, is to work on having not just kind of one identity. I think um, you're not just a kind of, uh, a rower uh, or a photographer um, but you're someone who's who's got lots of different identities and I think I think that's really important because um, I think uh, it's sort of it, it makes things in a in a sort of subconscious level maybe it makes things less pressurized um, because um, I think in, in a sporting contest in, in a rowing for just in the world that I know um, I think if you define yourself as a as just as a as a rower as an athlete you've got a lot riding on the races that you enter and i think in some ways you've got more riding than what is actually on stake you know you you've just got a race that okay if you, maybe if you come second you might feel pretty shitty for a while you might feel you know pretty downbeat but at the end of the day you've just been beaten by someone who has beaten you and, and you can rationalize why they've beaten you and hopefully go back and have another crack and and uh and get better but if you if if coming second is also wrapped up in a sense of um a it questions your own identity i think then there's a lot more pressure than actually is what's on the line and i think uh, i found it really refreshing to be at university that um frustrating as well in many ways but also refreshing because people would they would want to talk to you about things that weren't contingent on your rowing and so you you kind of had to you had to have you had to be interested in subjects what was going on to, to be interesting and I think um I think that's actually quite important do you think that's something that a coaching system can implement into an athlete from a young age and try to encourage them almost to you know sort of almost sounding like school extracurricular activities yeah. <laughs> but to encourage them not to be so involved in that rowing community or that sporting community to maybe enrich their mental health as well as their physical health 
yeah, I think it's I think it's really important, um, and I think it's important not only from a kind of developmental point of view, but all, all the way through. I think, um, and it is really hard. Um, and in a sport like rowing, the kind of I know that's uh, the amount of time you put in is almost sort of equal to the success you get out at the other end, um, but not quite. And I think it's the, probably the not quite that's the really interesting bit um, because I think the, uh, as we talked about before, it's, there's a lot of training that you do, but there comes a point where um, there's enough training is done. Um, and you need to always make sure that you're doing enough training to be as good as you can be. But there's also there's an awareness that there's enough is enough and more training is detrimental. Um, and I think definitely from both the developmental and also when you're a senior athlete and you know you're the t- top of top of the sport and whatever sport it is, I think uh, I think it 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 is helpful. I imagine and and this is for me talking as someone who's very much in- involved in the world. So I probably d- I don't have much of a bird's eye view uh, at all. I think it's important to have, I think, definitely uh, identities is probably the best way to describe it, that um, exist almost independent of of um, your success. Um, and I think I think that is quite important. And programs can should I reckon maybe more so in the future work on developing people's identities that can kind of dovetail their sporting ones um and uh and i think it's very difficult to know where to draw that line and every sport will be different and every club and every institution will have a different way of interpreting it but i think it's an important thing to look into to how how to do that often comes back to that empowering of the athlete and that seems to be a theme that is growing a lot more um obviously i'm not sort of based in the world of of sport in terms of as an athlete so it may have been around longer but it seems to be talk being talked about more and being a a sort of almost a skill set that coaches are using more to empower athletes and that not only improves them on a performance level but on a sort of health level physically and mentally do you think that's something that you've seen or is something that could be implemented more? I, I think, yeah, I think both. I think um, uh, I think the sport is changing and, um, and we're hearing more at the moment, particularly about uh, programs in different, different sports that have almost had a, a totalitarian view about sport. Um, and uh, I kind of, you give yourself completely to the sport you're doing and to the people that run that sport and i think and and you get great success and it's the the um the ends justify the means um and i think that's in my mind just a really old school way of looking at it um and um and actually either sports moving on or maybe people are kind of getting a better understanding about how people work um and that uh i think a lot of sports are i think every sport actually um is a is a team sport even when you're uh rafa nadal you know playing Djokovic today 
um, I think you your team is is everyone around you that supports you and what you do. And I think if you're talking about how to get the most out of that team, I think it's, there's got to be there's you've there's a really interesting way of developing how people operate together, how they trust each other, and how they um, how they understand how other people operate. And I think that comes from l- not just playing the sport in a really kind of um, uni- unidimensional kind of way. And I think as some of some of that will be looking at how do you communicate in a different way in a completely different setting. And and I think doing kind of very different um, activities might be a great way of look, exploring that. But not only that, but I think having people who have a, an identity that is or things that they're interested in that um, is not just them as a sports person or them as a physio or them as a coach I think almost and it's a little bit kind of I kind of think this is the right thing but it prob- I think it makes them a, if, I don't know what it is it makes them a probably better at what they do um, because they've got a, a better perspective on it or they've got a uh, they bring kind of different ideas they're looking at different places instead of kind of shutting people in a kind of training center and just saying okay well train as hard as you can um and we'll see you at the other end and you know you you'll you'll be really good because you've you've spent as many hours as possible doing that i I think there's something different happening and i think that's quite interesting do you think maybe the totalitarian system of train as you say the ends justify the means it's almost it's the easy way of doing it because it's like, well, there's a number I can attach to that. You going mm. and getting a time. It's a very easy way of looking at you as an athlete. You've done this and you've achieved this. Whereas looking at that broader and the more nuance of an athlete and understanding them and empowering their identity, as you were talking about, and improving their mental health and and those sort of things may be more subtle at on a coaching level to review because not everyone is the same and it's very hard to put those targets on a sort of we want him to be happy by this date or those sort of things it's a very difficult thing to write a blanket system for do you think that's maybe why it's taken a longer time to put in because a lot of these teams will have difficult targets dates and to be able to think broader broadly is often quite difficult and takes time i think it is easier uh and i think on a in my mind i keep thinking okay it's, it's kind of a it's quite a an sort of eastern european a communist way of looking at things not eastern european now but a, a kind of pre the fall of the berlin wall it's sort of a how do we it's like the the kind of Soviet Union way of like drill, 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 and um, and I think there's it is easier because I think your identity is so caught up in having to win this one thing that you look at it in a very like um, unidimensional way. And as you said, it points out like it's easy to put a number on it. It's easy to put how many hours have you trained. It's easy to put a um, a, uh, a fix things and therefore measure things on that. And I came across a really interesting study. I heard it on a podcast. I think it was on the Don't Tell Me Your Score, which is really, really interesting. Um, and um, it was, they, I think they gave a, a kind of paper cut to 
a um, to a violinist and a paper cut to a gymnast or a dancer, I think. And objectively, the pain should be measured in the same way. It was exactly the same instrument carried out the same kind of injury, I suppose. But the the finger, the paper cut on the finger meant the violinist, she couldn't play or it really hurt for her to play. Uh, but it didn't affect the dancer um, and she carried on. So they they measured the pain and, and as you can imagine, two very different ways. Uh, the violinist, because she couldn't play, measured the pain and in a, um, it was far more severe, hurt loads more. Um, whereas the dancer was not too bad um and they flicked it around and put the put the paper cut on the toe and the violinist thought she could play and so she measured the pain less than the dancer who couldn't now uh couldn't now kind of move around and and train um and i think the the they've extrapolated from that is that because there isn't sort of one part of your brain that deals with uh pain it's a whole everything comes together to how you perceive pain and how you how you feel it and if it if it affects your identity who you are you'll probably feel that pain more acutely even if it's the same pain as someone who it doesn't affect who they see themselves as and i think there's something really interesting in that because your identity therefore has a massive impact on how you perceive what's going on around you whether it's a, a, a an injury in a really kind of objective sense or whether it's kind of just day-to-day uh work or your relationships with other people i think if things feel like they affect who you are you have a much more of a kind of acute response to that and so i think from probably sort of really straining it out maybe more so than the study kind of uh meant to but i think on a on a bigger level there's there's something really important that's said there therefore about how people and how we um, judge what's going on and therefore how much we kind of fix to an event and how we then process what's happened with that. And say in a rowing context, for example, if if I had an injury that meant that I couldn't row anymore, it would know, be, be, in many ways, I'd want to say it was devastating. Um, but if it was, if it, say it was an injury that meant I couldn't train for, a fair bit of time and therefore there was a kind of big pressure about being able to return to fitness and stuff i think anecdotally from looking at guys in the team i think the guys who who have other things going on they're able to almost rehab better and quicker than the guys who maybe are totally totally 100 percent rowing and therefore their injury is a really big deal um and uh, and i think that's just something kind of quite interesting in that so in terms of the the example you give there is that something that is not necessarily you know another job or something but it's something that you can just go away and focus on during that recuperation period i had a, a stress fracture on my rib a couple of years ago and it meant that i was i was out of the boat for for about nine weeks and um the good thing about a rib injury is that the physios, they, they, they know how to deal with one. And they know it takes a certain amount of time. Um, but I, was, I felt like I was really on the back foot in the team and, and my place within the squad. And um, it certainly, it, instinctively, it felt like it could be a kind of make or break moment. Um, but actually, I think, um, I think I was lucky in a sense to, 
to um, maybe have picked up on some of these things around that time and was able to kind of take my mind, I think, a little bit off the injury um, and maybe re-engage with some of the other, just other interests that I have. And I think that, and maybe or maybe not, but it meant that um, I felt like the injury, it kind of weakened in like significance. And I think it meant that um, by the time I was ready to come back, I was really, I suppose, refreshed actually. Um, and really looking forward to getting back into training um, without feeling like I was way out the back and I had loads of making up to do and a coach kind of thinks I'm terrible um, and all these other thoughts are going ahead. I wasn't really kind of focused on those. And I think that was helpful, really helpful. With that analogy with the paper cuts as well and sort of how we perceive certain things and also just how we perceive fitness whether it's physical or mental and the differences between that if we approaching again it goes back to being able to put a number on it it's much easier for maybe a a coach to understand your physical fitness and where it's at but understanding your mental fitness unless it's to an extreme you know unless you're sort of in a really bad place it's quite hard to know and maybe we all know when we're having a bad day and we're having a good day and you wake up in a maybe a foul mood or something but maybe there's an importance to understanding that especially when you know sports are looking at these minute levels being able to maybe understand okay I've got to go through these processes so I'm in a better mental space to be able to go out and compete and just those light fluctuations not saying that it always has to go to that performance level but maybe there is something in that in terms of really understanding those subtle nuances and making sure you're in a better space every time you go out and train every time you go out and compete oh yeah definitely i think um uh in terms of my own story in the team i think um i so i joined the sort of senior team in 2012 and we had four years before the rio games and um i when i suddenly when i joined i was very surprised that I'd been part of kind of included as a group that came into the team and um yeah really starstruck that I was now training with guys that you know I was still uh thought that well and still do think they're really awesome and um and I was of no way that I felt that I was now here to kind of compete you know with them as well as kind of against them in the kind of internal uh selection and I think when I first joined, um, and I then had a good had a good first season, um, where I raced and did well. But then, I then uh, 2014, 2015, 2016, I was the spare. So I was born on the team. I came last in absolutely everything. I, I mean, I don't think I didn't not come last. Um, and uh, I had different pairs partners all three years. Um, I had it felt like I would try things and they wouldn't work and and I couldn't understand why and you know, it, it was it was definitely kind of a period where I think I just it almost felt like um I knew I wasn't good enough and it was kind of coming true it was just um I think looking back on that now um there were a few kind of things that probably would I, I could have seen coming 
So I remember one of the coaches saying to me, oh, I'm, I'm a lot like a washing machine, really up, really down, really up, really down. And I would get really psyched up for like some of the internal racing that we were doing. Really kind of, I'd you know, write down how to row of each person. I'd almost memorize it like it was lines for like a play or something. And uh, I would take loads of caffeine, listen to Rammstein, uh, and get really pumped up for whatever it was I was doing. And invariably, they would go terribly. Um, and I didn't really know why. And and sometimes I think they would go really well, and I would wait, uh, wait for the sort of the kind of results to come through and the times to come through. And I'd start looking from the top down, which is where the best people were. And I'd see myself at the bottom. I'd, what the hell? How's... And I always thought, okay, maybe I should get more psyched up. I need to get more worked up about something. I need to, like, care about it. So I started thinking, okay, maybe I don't care enough. So... I'm going to pretend this race that my sister's life's on the line, you know, and I'm going to go mad and, and, you know, and it'll be terrible. And, and, and I'll always be left with a feeling that I wasn't good enough because by the end of the race, I couldn't hold on to the pace that I'd wanted or someone else is beating me. And then the thoughts run through my head that, you know, you're shit, you know, you're not, you know, you, you knew you're not very good, you know, and of course, yes, happening again, you know, or, you know, you should try and work really, you know, you, you said you were going to do this for your sister or your family, you know, but you can't, you can't do it. So you're not very good. Like, you know, seriously, you know, obviously you don't even care about your family. Like, you know, and, and it would always go really badly, you know, and I think, and being despair is almost, I think, quite a tricky position because it's sort of self-fulfilling sometimes. You're at the bottom of the squad. You're, you're sometimes people need you because there's someone ill. You jump in and then you're cut again and you're back out and, and, there was, I remember going on a training camp. Uh, it was a pre-Worlds training camp, altitude training camp. One of the guys in the eight was injured. And I spent the whole training camp, every session in the eight. I thought, okay, well, I've probably done enough to be in the eight. And we got back to Caversham for two days before we went away for the pre-Worlds kind of summer sort of last camp before the World Championships. And um, they had already voted with the guy. And there was you know, no mention to me. There was no like, well done or thanks for stepping in. You know, you're the spare, you know. You're, you're there to make sure the team does well um, and uh, and I think you then build up a narrative in your head that then sort of self-fulfills itself the following season you then I would then come back try and have less of a holiday train even harder start the season even better and then it would happen again, another race. And, and you, there was one moment when you're all the testing, all these thoughts would come together in that one moment and you wouldn't do very well. Um, and I think just sort of talking about these identities, you know, for me, the identity was starting to develop that I was really lucky to be in the team. Uh, I uh, wasn't good enough. And that was just, I was l sometimes I was lucky and got away with it without people noticing. But when it came to the moment, I wasn't good enough, so I could hope I could almost blag my way into the team or something. And I think, um, looking back now, I can kind of see that and see it happening before it happens. And at the moment, I, I, I really, now in the last kind of couple of years of the, the Tokyo cycle, maybe it's just because I'm a little bit older. Um, and uh, um, but I think there's, there's an element of um, uh, trying to, I think, cut out that kind of washing machine up and down. And actually you think that performance is built on consistency and it's built on preparation 
and it's built on how you do something not on why you know there's no your life's on the line you know do this for you win this race and you'll be a millionaire you know do it, that's your why or, or do this and you know your your family will be okay there's all these sort of sometimes strange kind of things that you'd build up for why you should do something but actually performance is more about just putting together that kind of steady day in day out building accumulate you know accumulating a kind of self-belief in what you've done and, and, and how you've got somewhere and i think then i actually i really enjoyed being part of a team now i don't see i see less actually where, where less that that i'm competing against everybody in the team uh, which i probably saw before i thought okay i've got to beat this guy i've got to race around here quicker than this person and 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 oh did the coach see me do it better than this guy today oh he's turned up late i'm early today oh no i'm late today i hope the coach doesn't notice kind of all these te- like all these a million things running every day whereas now it's kind of like these things don't none of those matter um and i i think it's taken me a long time to work that out sort of you said the tokyo cycle you found that shift in your maybe mentality towards training and and racing was there something in particular that you would do differently or was it more of a overarching just different approach i've always really enjoyed having something alongside uh training a different identity as we we're saying but i think sometimes i was maybe overdoing that a little bit and determined to uh maybe do things that meant I was on my feet for a lot of time or uh, not having as much rest as I needed to. So instead of, and I was juggling whether, it sounds ridiculous now, whether I should do a, uh, extend my master's at Oxford and, and do a do a defil there. And I thought, oh, this sounds fantastic. I'd love to be that, you know, guy in the library he's having a coffee and, you know, oh, I'm doing a PhD. But I wasn't actually that interested in what I actually wanted to, that I applied to study. Um, but I thought, okay, you know, screw that. I'm going to try and do a master's in performance. I think my own thing, I'll, have, I'll put my own reading list together, I'll put my own things, and I'll try and understand performance, which actually is just ridiculously massive topic. It's not even... Um, but I think through that, I probably quite quickly kind of... I read a book called The Inner Game of Tennis. Um, and uh, I said, oh, well, I, I do have like an internal kind of chatter that's little bit kind of near, kind of gnaws away at me i think you know you're the spare you've been the spare for three years you know um and uh i also have a i also sort of realized actually a little bit what we were saying right at the beginning of this conversation was like having a knowing when the end of training is done and really enjoying the relax trying to relax and and take you know enjoy not doing much and having a kind of an off switch and be okay with the off switch um and uh and so i had a big mind map i broke everything down i sort of what was i eating okay i probably wasn't getting enough calcium in my diet i probably wasn't getting enough vitamin d um uh make sure i was eating not necessarily one massive meal in the evening but probably spread it all out to how how was i sleeping um uh okay i can't go on the water for nine weeks so what can i do to make sure i keep a technical for okay i'm gonna i'm gonna try and watch uh, some rowing videos every day (laughs) that's ridiculous um and then i kind of what what am i doing in my kind of downtime and i then sort of thought about okay, how, how breathing exercises and that's when i kind of thought about i uh, sort of heard and read a little bit more about um giving yourself time to to either meditate or giving yourself time to 
have a sort of time out, I think. Um, and the like little thoughts that can kind of go through your head that like build up a sort of a story that's quite hard to shake sometimes. I sort of thought more about this and, and um, I think I was just lucky that I had a bit of time, a bit of space to, to do that because I was injured. Um, and I think since then, um, I've, I keep returning to that idea of how do I break down my performance? It's not just on um, what playlist am I going to listen to before I boat or do an ergo test that's going to get me most pumped up. Um, it's more about what's my plan going to be for this? What's my plan the day before, the day before that? You know, break it all down into its various components. And and, uh, and so actually, as you say, you're sitting on the start line before you're about to do something. And actually, you can be really relaxed because you've done everything as well as you can to get yourself there. And so now it's kind of, instead of being this heroic last cavalry charge, it can be more like calm, calculated execution can you go through a career without having suffering or do you think there is this sort of need in sport to sacrifice some part of your mental health to succeed big question um and the thing that's kind of jumping out at me right now is the quote from cool runnings which is that (laughs) if you're not enough without it you'll never be enough with it um and um and of course, the sport is so varied. There's so many different stories about how people have got to where they want, how people have been successful, how people have maintained success. Um, and so I can only look at it from, I suppose, my own experience and also what I want to kind of get out of it. And I think I'm, I realized that if... Um, uh, I think I realized it had... I was a spare in 2016 and had had um, someone got injured, just someone in the in the eight, for example, which won gold, had got injured a couple of days before. And um, they called me up and said, hey, Ollie, we need you to fly over to Rio. We need you to jump into the eight. I would have been you know, buzzing. Yeah, right. I'm going to go, going to Rio, going to be Olympian, um, racing the Olympic Games. And then fast forward and say I'd won. And I retired, and I'd Olympic champion. You'd think you know, you've done everything in rowing. You've you've done everything. You know, you've won the the highest of of sporting event in the sport. You should feel like you're now as good as you can be. You know, yeah, you could win it again, but it's it's success. It's defined. Uh, I was defining your um, measuring uh, the value by this could be contingent on the success. And I think. Um, I wouldn't have learnt that much. I don't think I'd be, just because I'd won gold, because someone had been injured, I don't think I'd suddenly be transformed into a more, uh, into a more interesting person. And um, there's no kind of, it doesn't come with a kind of character boot or something that means that just because you've been successful in this, you're now going to be a, a better person or more rounded or kind of, I, I don't know, uh, the, and I think it's probably the realization that I, I'm not doing the, this. I'm not training for the Olympic Games to be an Olympic champion. And I think that's something which is taking me a few years to realize. Uh, I'm not. I'm not kind of trying to win my seat, uh, hold on to my seat, or win my seat, because 
that is that is success i think i probably see things more now and i have to keep kind of working on it it's definitely not a finished thing but because sometimes i get pulled in different directions but i think i see more the success now more is uh, kind of a journey and what can i what what how can i learn as much as i can from this experience and everybody's got a different experience and my experience is, is that i'm a full-time athlete and i've got a, a big event that's been postponed it's got another year okay there's loads of things to, to learn from this experience and loads of things i can draw out and to try and make myself in my own eyes a more interesting person when the journey comes to an end um and and i, and I think it, it i know worry that it sounds really kind of airy fairy um and um but i'm just drawing on my own experience when i think i did think i did measure success as win or lose good or bad and i never got success because so much was riding on it um and even when i did i thought it was a fluke um whereas i think now i see everything is kind of feeding into trying to mine as much as i can from the experience that I'm lucky enough to be doing this thing, um, and um, and if I was injured today and could no longer row, then I'd have beyond a new journey that I'd also try and go, what can I learn from this? And I think for me that feels better. I feel more grounded, and I think to try and answer some of your question, I th- I think um, lots of athletes do sacrifice huge amounts of who they are, and we're seeing it in stories like Bradley Wiggins now and his wife and. And I think there's lots of stories where athletes, they are expected to sacrifice everything to to be able to win or lose on essentially sometimes uh, everything arrives on like a tiny difference in something. And I think that's not really how life works. Uh, And so it's no wonder that people find that really difficult. Um, And actually... I feel like life's more about accumulating experiences. They build on each other. And you look back and go, I've had, all, I've had this. Okay, this has been my experience and this has been great. And, um, and so I think there's, there's an expectation sometimes athletes do have to sacrifice their mental health. Um, but I think that's such an old school view of it that it's not only outdated, but it's probably wrong. Um, and, uh, and I think... You actually look now, and the fantastic athletes, both in the cycling world, you're drawing Brad, someone like Bradley Wing as being in the news, maybe for for sort of like an example of where he's had to be this identity that's totally eclipsed everything else, to maybe someone like um, uh, someone like um, Chris Hoy, who maybe does come across as someone who's realizes that it's a journey and and success is not measured because they've won gold and sport is uh is about many things and you you can't escape the fact that it is also about winning yeah, a lot of it is about um wanting your team to do well and wanting yourself to win and i i think um the reason i think they they tie in together is that um is that i think people who maybe sustain success or just have a healthier outlook on it don't see 
themselves wrapped up into the scoreline as much as someone else does. It doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean that someone who's really wrapped up to it won't be successful. I think they are, and sometimes they, you know, they could be very good. But someone who has done the same preparation is the same athlete, but has doesn't see that they have to win uh, just to prove to themselves and to how to they how they perceive everyone else's feeling of themselves that they're worth their person who they are i think that person who's got a more of a balanced roundedness of themselves is a better will in my mind will probably prevail they'll probably be calmer they'll probably be more relaxed they'll probably race a race that they know they probably won't go off trying to smash the race in the first sort of part of it because they don't they know their race plan they know their body they know they're going to be they don't Whereas someone who maybe has everything on riding it will fly out the start because they have to win because they have to be in front, and and I think I think it's good to just remind ourselves that actually when we when we're having these conversations uh, about sport, sport is many things, but it is also about trying to win. It's about celebrating success and in in how you do that, but it's reflecting on how do you get that success and 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 I think in many ways developing teams and individuals that have an all-roundedness to them is really good for the how they think about themselves and therefore how they're able to perform so it's definitely not a okay we're going to change the point of conversation away from winning because we're going to focus on other things no the focus is still absolutely on winning it's just understanding that actually being a winner is not about just winning things being a winner is a kind of it's a mentality and it probably draws on having these different identities and it probably draws on having a great team a great support network that you develop and i think therefore you're more likely to win your team is more likely to be successful it's more it's more likely to work better together um and and therefore be successful in this sort of like diametric kind of good bad win thank you for listening If you would like to see the portraits from this week's episode, please go to findingspace.cc. For more interviews like this, please subscribe to the Finding Space podcast.